you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name's Colin Kelly, joined in the show as always by my co-host Doug Moore, joined today as well, I'm happy to say, by one of the guys over there at Rotoviz, and some of the listeners might have heard him on the Rotoviz shows, they might even have heard him on the Dynasty Blueprint podcast a couple of weeks ago, uh, does a lot of work with his uh, stats regarding air yards, it's Josh Hermsmeyer. Josh, uh, thanks for jumping aboard the show with us, um, you know, I've been very interested in air yards, so I'm, I'm glad to be able to share that with our listeners uh, in a couple of minutes. I appreciate you guys having me on. This is exciting. Um, I, I did uh, jump on a couple of those other shows and talk about air yards, but uh, I love I love talking about it. It's uh, it's new to me too, so it's uh, still something I'm trying to wrap my head around. And talking about it really helps. Yeah, and we're going to discuss it in more depth in a couple of moments. But I uh, just want to start off as well, Doug. Um, obviously, recording this show a day later in the week uh, rather than the usual Wednesday time slot, but. It actually allowed us to get out uh, some of the news, breaking ahead to the Week 10 games uh, regarding uh, your old buddy Matt Jones and the possibility that this week he may be a, a healthy scratch. Um, how excited are you this week, Doug, just to, to hear some of that news? I'm more excited at the fact that um, Jay Gruden and I are finally on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this has been a long time coming. Uh, and, and in real talk, you know, he, you know, Matt Jones had issues coming into the season. I was a big proponent of, of, you know, those who were anointing him as, you know, the next sort of running back who has a great opportunity potentially, but has never proven to do well, you know, in line with uh, the C.J. Andersons of 2015, uh, the Monty Balls, uh, you know, the Bishop Sankey, you know, stuff like that. So, well, I, I shouldn't say C.J. Anderson, but... Yeah, I was just about to say that. Don't badmouth my guy. <laughs> you know, hold on, hold on. He was my guy before he was your guy, but that's not the point here. The point here is that Matt Jones came into the season, he was overly hyped, he hadn't proven he could do what people want him to do, and he's showing it. You know, he was struggling, he had maybe one or two good weeks, but then he really showed his true colors. And, um, you know, it's sad when a guy like Rob Kelly, who nobody heard of before, I would say, the beginning of the year is starting over him and now matt jones is going to be a healthy scratch so it, it's not shocking to me but i'm glad to see that this is this is finally happening because now the the the, the matt jones truthers can shut up <laughs> yeah that report was uh, in the washington post so just stay tuned he may not be a healthy scratch but i just wanted to mention because i know doug i gave you a bit of grief a few weeks ago he had a couple of games where he, he grabbed a few touchdowns and i know that uh this will be music to your ears. Obviously, starting the show, if you're, you're tuning in, it might be one of your first times listening to the show. You can obviously find us on iTunes, Stitcher, tune in all those ways. You can stream us on OvertimeIreland.com. And uh, each and every week, we, we do have at least one show. It's been a, a one-show season so far. Myself and Doug have been pretty busy, but we've had lots of great guests on, and including Joyce today. So do make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And um, with that, I have a quick read to play for you, a little bit of promotion, and uh, then we'll be back to talk about all the games. Just before we get into the game previews, I want to quickly tell you about a promotion we've got going on here at OTI. You've probably heard this over the last couple of weeks on this show, but it is continuing on and it is with NFL Shop Europe. Their website is europe.nflshop.com and they are giving OTI listeners an exclusive discount of 10% off all orders. That is OTI10 as the discount code at checkout. You save yourself 10% off. And good news, up until this coming Monday, they are offering free shipping worldwide as well. So if you're looking for maybe a hoodie, a hat of that coming into the winter time keep your head warm keep your body warm check them out they have all the latest new area gear and so on and so forth all authentic nfl merchandise i've even seen some cute uh, baby grows comes up on their website over the last couple of days so uh check that out as well if you have any kids and want to get them kitted out uh, coming up to the holiday season so uh, that is oti 10 at checkout to save 10 percent off and uh, until monday they have a uh, free worldwide shipping and it's europe.nflshop.com So with the promotion and the plugs out of the way, and I did mention at the start uh, about air yards, and some people will probably maybe haven't heard Josh yet off what the air yards are, and uh, they may, may be familiar. We had Mike Clay on uh, probably about two months ago now, and he talked about uh, his dot stat. There is some similarities, but I would let you uh, take the floor and uh, give uh, the listeners an idea of what exactly I'm talking about. Sure, absolutely. So uh, Mike Clay, he actually did uh, the first bit of work with air yards from a receiving perspective. 
Um, and what ADOT is is basically the average amount of air yards per target that a receiver gets. And and then they kind of left it at that. And um, it turned out that Elias Sports Bureau has been tracking incomplete air yards, complete air yards, and yak for the NFL for years and years and years. And they had been actually providing it publicly to people uh, in a way that wasn't very user-friendly, but nonetheless was available. Um, and I found it, and I kind of they, – they track it in terms of the passer, and I started looking at it in terms of the wide receiver. Um, one of the things that I really look for is if a, if a stat is sticky. Basically, does it predict itself over any period of time you care to – Stipulate does it predict itself week to week over six weeks over ten weeks year to year those kind of things air yards turned out to be as far as I've seen the stickiest stat um, ever for wide receivers and so what you can do with it is you can say logically it, it makes sense this way if a guy's getting volume production should follow so targets typically equal fantasy points if they're getting targets and air yards. We can say with a high degree of certainty that moving forward, this guy is going to score fantasy points. And if they're underperforming that volume, we can call them a buy low. And so that's really been kind of the the, the, the kind of thesis of, of my work this year on air yards was that I we want to identify these guys that are getting this volume um, that are underproducing that volume. And we want to grab those guys because we know within the next few weeks they're going to go ahead and, and put up a crooked number. And uh, with the air yards and looking into it, um, what players this season have you seen that you know maybe four or five weeks ago player people weren't uh, you know really locked in on, and now you know five weeks or six weeks later that they have uh, started to really develop, and it's somebody that you were able to kind of pinpoint early. So really early, it was guys like Terrell Pryor. He topped the list from day one, even when Corey Coleman was healthy, and. The problem, of course, at the time was that he kept losing his quarterback every week. I mean, week after week <laughs> after week. And, and one of the things that Ariards is doing is, and why I think it's successful, is because you're kind of taking the coach's brain and you're putting it on paper, right? And the quarterbacks to a certain extent. And, and you're saying they intended those yards to go to that guy, those incomplete air yards, which is the big piece that was missing. They intended those yards to go to that guy. He just for whatever reason didn't work out. And so that intent is really stable. It carries over from week to week. But when you lose your quarterback, I mean, so many things can change. And and so he kept losing his, and and I and I kept having to put a caveat in my article every every week. Well, he just just lost another signal caller. I don't know if this is going to be the same next week, but he sure is getting a lot of looks. So um, he, he was a good one. And then just today we published our our week nine article and. Uh, you know, at the top of the list, still, Allen Robinson. Uh, it, his predicted uh, PPR per game is 12.9, and his actual is 12.2. And that, that difference of less than a point per game doesn't seem like a lot, but it'll add up. And, and what it really says is that he's a safe buy. If you have an opportunity to trade for him, he's probably going to at least put up what he's doing now, given his volume, and has a good chance of outperforming it. And then the other guys on the list are guys like Terrell Pryor again, Des Bryant, Emmanuel Sanders, and an interesting name, uh, Brian Quick. Yeah, and uh, Brian Quick, that is actually quite an interesting one, and he, he has been getting those targets. Uh, you mentioned Sanders, too. He's somebody I've been very high on this season, and, you know, the last couple of weeks, I think it's since week four, he might, I don't think he's got a touchdown, but I think there's a positive regression coming there. Uh, Pryor's been somebody who has, uh, you know, I, I've picked him, I picked him up in dynasty leagues and a couple of waiver wires at the, you know, towards the end of the last season. I've been amazed at his progression uh, over this season. But, you know, you mentioned Alan Robinson as well, and he's somebody who has broken my heart so far in a couple of leagues, but found the end zone last week, so we'll see how he starts to go. But speaking of players that have broken my heart, rather than do that, I'm going to ask you guys both for a player that has, uh, you know, maybe actually has broken your heart, but somebody who you don't own on uh, any or many um fantasy rosters this season and i'm going to start it off and the guy who i actually own him on no rosters whether it be mfl 10s redraft dynasty and it's david johnson and it's mainly down to the fact that i tend to to go wide receiver early uh, in all my drafts in all formats and david johnson somebody who looking at uh, what he's done over the the first uh, kind of nine weeks of the season has pretty much been a, a free square on the on the board each week and basically guaranteeing if you have them that you have a, a very realistic chance of winning regardless of how the other rest of your team shapes up but I'm going to let Doug go first because I'm sure he's, he's sitting patiently starting the show and I'm going with David Johnson somebody who I wish that I had uh, on a couple more rosters Doug uh, who would you be obviously it's not Matt Jones is it Rob Kelly 
Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I mean, Rob Kelly is, is a much better running back than Matt Jones. So I, I do regret <laughs> it to that extent. Um, no, I, I would probably see a guy and it's so weird for me because I was such a big fan of him coming out of college last season. Uh, and then he just disappointed across the board with no touchdowns. And now he leads the league in touchdowns, uh, every non, except for quarterbacks. Um, and that's Melvin Gordon. Yeah. He was such a buy low guy. He wasn't really that hyped. He was like a, a post hype sleeper, I guess you could say. He was looking for a bounce back year when usually it's rookies bounce uh, or do well in their rookie year and then they have the sophomore slump. And it's been the opposite for him. Um, you know, I think it was scared away, I think justifiably with his, his micro fracture surgery that he had yeah. in his knee. But that just made him even more cost effective. So I, I regret not having him. I, I, I really like this team uh, when it's healthy, and we've seen it. it. Even though it's not healthy, he's still producing. Um, and you look at the yards per carry, do it what you may. He's been a beast this season, and I really regret giving up on him after one year uh, when it comes to redraft. Yeah, and he's somebody actually by pure chance, and uh, you know, towards the start of the season, I was kind of wondering how it happened. And MFL tens, I just ended up with him in so many rosters. And if I look at the leagues that I'm doing well in, it's the leagues that ended up with Melvin Garden. Some of the eighth, ninth round, kind of, he just had fallen off the the face of the earth in terms of you know, if you were going zero RB, he was a, a prime candidate, and he's uh, delivered for sure this season. Uh, Josh, I'm going to let you go next. Is there somebody outside of Melvin Gordon or David Johnson, maybe a wide receiver that you might think that is somebody you wish you had in a couple more of your rosters? You know, uh, I, I'm kind of with you, Colm. I, 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 wanted, uh, I wanted David Johnson now at this point. He's been lovely, but the, the other guy is Zeke Elliott. And both of them, I faded for the exact same reason, and that's just their short um, – yeah, just their short workload, the, the amount on their resume was so small that it was just super difficult it to actually, project them. It, fa- it falls in pretty much to that, uh, how Doug mentioned C.J. Anderson. It kind of, well, Zeke even more so, but last year we seen David Johnson, you know, hit those heights. Was it sustainable? And he's been one of the cases who's really sustained it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, God bless the folks that got him because uh, that was a long shot, I, th- I think, uh, just looking at all the evidence. Um, and they're both paying off handsomely. Um but, uh, yeah, no, it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned Melvin Gordon. That was one of uh, the top zero RB targets. So he's really paid off for folks who, who did get him, uh, who did go with that strategy. Yeah, and uh, heading in now, or actually before we get in now, uh, looking back at last week, uh, Josh, was there anyone for, anything for you that really stood out, you know, whether it be fantasy football or uh, in the actual NFL, one topic that you thought really was the key takeaway from uh, week nine? Not a, not a super uh, intuitive result, but I, I saw that Robert Woods led the entire league in an opportunity, basically. He looked pretty uh, this, good this week. Yeah, I mean, he, the, the combination of targets and, and air yards he got was incredible. It was just off the charts. And it, it's weird because it comes after a week where um, uh, a different gentleman, um, James, I think it is, gosh, he's just a no-name, led uh, the team in opportunity. So they're bouncing around without Watkins on that team yeah. about who their number one target is going to be game to game. And that makes it really, really tough to project them. But I, I found that really super interesting. Yeah, and of course, Percy Harvin back with the team too. Maybe it bounces to him one of these weeks, but uh, I'm staying off that train. Uh, Doug, for you, week nine, key talking point? Yeah, I, I would probably say just how much... It always it always confuses me is how one running back can do horrible, but another one can do great on the same team, given the same circumstances. And we're seeing that with Devontae Booker and Capri Bibbs. It's it's so surprising at how now granted Bibbs had a sixty nine yard reception for a touchdown, so maybe it's just happened to be a good play, but he's conser- he's looked considerably better. And I know Booker was also dealing with shoulder injury, but he's looked considerably better, uh, Bibbs, that is, than Booker. And it's to the point where Booker may already lose his starting spot. I think it was Mike Kliss who said that, yeah. uh, one of the beat writers out there, uh, that Bibbs could uh, you know, take the starting job away from Booker as early as this weekend. And he did look much better than him um, in Week 9 and just overall. Uh, so I'm really I'm really surprised that it, given the same circumstances in the same week, how one can do really bad and one can do really good. And that's the case we saw with with Booker and, and Bibbs in week nine. Yeah, it's uh, you mentioned that return too. obviously boosted up his stats quite a bit. I think it's quite obvious they're missing CJ Anderson. And I think, uh, you know, Simeon hasn't 
he put up stats last week, but I don't think he's been productive as uh, you know things were going at the start of the season. This week on by, we have the Buffalo Bills, Detroit Lions, Indianapolis Colts, and the Oakland Raiders. And uh, with that, then the rest of the games. And I'm going to kick off with one that probably isn't the you know the most spectacular match on paper, but we've seen the 49ers give up huge yards to pretty much everyone all season long, and it was the same again last week against the Saints. Um, the Arizona Cardinals host them this week, and the Cardinals have struggled on offense. It's well known this season so far, but if there's every game that they're going to get back on track, it's at home against the the 49ers, who just have uh, you know you thought last week they had a bye week uh, the week before that they would have a chance to set up this defense and plan for the the Saints, but that really did not work out for them. Uh, Josh, do you think you know the Cardinals do bounce back this week? You know, um, maybe if you're streaming quarterback. Uh, a lot of people have lost faith, uh, lost faith and patience in Carson Palmer. And then somebody I'm very high on, John Brown. I think this is a, a prime spot for him to have a, a kind of breakout game on the season uh, moving forward. I think he should be a lot healthier than he was. Obviously, he fits in there too. And we mentioned David Johnson. Um, is there anyone outside of those? Uh, Carlos Hyde says he's confident to play in this week, but you know, I'll wait and see uh, to the injury report Friday to, to see if he, he'll suit up. He's still uh, not really getting any. If, I don't think he's getting any contact yet, actually. But is there anyone in this matchup you know, that I haven't mentioned and then the guys that I have mentioned, are you confident uh, of rolling them out this week? I think if you're not confident against the 49ers, who can you be confident against? Uh, that, that's, that's the case, exactly. I mean, the Niners, everyone gets well against them. Um, <laughs> But among the folks you didn't mention, I think J.J. Nelson has a strong yeah, shot return nice. of value if you're doing daily. Yeah. And uh, and if you have someone you need to pull in because of those bye weeks you mentioned and uh, need to stash off the waiver wire, I think he's a solid pickup. Brown could certainly go off. These safeties and uh, corners are nothing to write home about. I was actually at the game last week uh, watching the first half. It, they were a complete sieve at the end of the half against uh, Breeze. And their path, their their medium and short passing game. They marched all the way down the field, and they Chip Kelly got some credit for some from some analysts after the fact because um, I think there was seven seconds left. They were running one more play, trying to score the touchdown, and we're watching from the stands. And every single defensive back tackled their receiver. And the idea was the idea was to make the clock run out so they had to kick a field goal. But to us, after that terrible defensive performance, watching them march all the way, we just thought, look at now they're just. They're just tackling everyone. That's it. Oh, and we got up and we left. We left the game. We were so disgusted. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if anyone had a huge game, especially someone like David Johnson against the 49ers. Yeah, I actually made the bold prediction that looking at, at David Johnson's stats going into this game, his best yardage performance, yards from scrimmage performance this season has been against the 49ers when they played him, I think, week four. Um, and now we're going up again, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets 200 yards from scrimmage. They've given up, I think, what seven seven consecutive uh, running back 100 yard uh, rushing games to a running back. So it, it's just this defense is it's and, not. And some of those were a lot worse than David Johnson. <laughs> yeah, so it, it, I really think he'll have a terrific game. JJ Nelson's another great one, but I, I wanted to get your take. I think this this has the makings of being a, a very big offensive game, just considering how one this team is really good on offense but struggles on defense and the Falcons and the Eagles um you know obviously the Falcons are arguably the best offensive team outside of maybe the Saints or the Patriots um in terms of just how much they can put up on the board uh, I want to get your take you know the Eagles have struggled a little bit lately after starting off very hot but they also get Benny Logan back this week which I think is a huge underrated um, you know, sort of return. And uh, I, I was curious to see what you think. I think, this, for example, could be a great game for Jordan Matthews going up against, a, I would say, a rather weak Falcons uh, secondary, uh, even though they have a couple of players that are good. Um, but I also want to get your take on, you know, is this another game where we could see Matt Ryan go off, who Leo Jones go off? What about Tevin Coleman if he comes back? So I, I want to get your take on who are the players that you're looking at in this game and think could have a good game when you think about the, the, the difference in matchups. Sure. I, Jordan Matthews stands a, a super shot of having a good game. As you mentioned, Atlanta, they're giving up 18% more points than average to wide receivers uh, on that, in that secondary. And so, you know, uh, the question really about the Philly has been since the early, early season, their first three or four games, when Carson Wentz got probably the gentlest introduction 
into the NFL that a rookie quarterback has ever had. Um, you know, if he has not just kind of regressed into kind of an Alex Smith type fearful game manager that just throws short every single time, I think Matt Harmon posted some uh, spray charts of his passes this past week, and 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 there's really nothing past nine ten yards, and uh, and and even a bad defense can stack the line and 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 sit on all of those short routes uh, pretty effectively, and so I think the question is really going to be: Is Carson Wentz going to be able to push? push the ball downfield a little bit, just a few times um, to even someone as bad as Aguilar. I mean, I, I think they're, they're, the complaint in, in Eagle land is that they just don't have outside wide receivers they can trust. But I think you got to just try and put it up there. And if they do, I think they'll see some more success with folks like Matthews around the, the middle of the field in the hashes. Yeah, I agree with you there. And last week, um, you know, I've watched the last couple of quite a lot, large amount of the last few Eagles games, and you mentioned not going past nine or ten yards with the passes. There's some of them that they're having kind of bootleg rollouts, and they're throwing the ball to receivers behind the line of scrimmage. So it's been tough watching them over the last couple of games um, as well. The play call um, against the Giants was surprising. Um, you know, there was twice that they were in field goal uh, areas of the field and they went for it and forced down didn't get it either time with quite uh, kind of quizzical play calling but it'll be interesting to see what Doug Peterson's strategy uh, is this week but I, I agree with Doug this has a potential to be a shootout obviously you're starting all your studs on the Atlanta side uh, Tevin Coleman at the time recording this on Thursday hasn't been ruled out yet he's doing some individual work by himself on the side at practice but uh, I don't expect him uh, to go this week I would imagine we'll see him back in action next week Darren Sproles as well has quietly moved himself kind of the, to the top of that RBQ ahead of Ryan Matthews down in Philadelphia so you know the, some some leagues maybe uh, he's not available in any of the leagues that I'm playing in at the moment but maybe some leagues he's still sitting around a waiver wire make sure that uh, you pick him up this week I'm going to head to Green Bay at Tennessee um, somebody I was a, a big proponent of going into the season was Marcus Mariota and the first few weeks of the season was quite low for him from a, a fantasy perspective but the last couple of weeks he's really had a couple of a nice fantasy games rushing for a touchdown last week against the Chargers and while the Packers defense has been quite good against the run this season um, at the moment they're really really banged up in that secondary um, this could be another game where he has a, a big game and then on the other side we've seen Rodgers scrambling around doing a lot more rushing over the last couple of weeks and possibly James Starks gets back uh, on the field this week but it's another game where I think there could be quite a potential for for a lot of high scoring in it and I think that you know DeMarco I think the Packers will kind of go on their way to try and keep uh, DeMarco Murray locked in in that backfield is there anyone in particular that outside of the, the kind of standard guys Delaney Walker uh, Mariota um, then as well on the Packers side you, you obviously have Cobb Nelson you have to continue to roll out there for the touchdown upside and Adams has a few nice weeks Ty Montgomery should be on less he was actually on a snap count last week so outside of the main guys is there anyone that you're uh, particularly high on this or you think that you know should be sat down this week it's a good question I since the beginning one of the guys that uh, I liked and actually traded quite a few uh, picks for in Dynasty to acquire uh, was Tajay Sharp Yep. And then he kind of fell off the map. I believe the reasoning behind it was that he was running bad routes or was making mental errors, just doing rookie things, and so quickly fell out of favor with Malarkey. Yep. And um, a little frustrating from my perspective, but he's come back on these past few weeks. His snap count is right up there with, with the other guys. He's gotten a few targets. So maybe a sleeper, once again, I dipped my toe in the water of Tajay Sharp, of the guys you didn't mention. But uh, among the more obvious plays, I think – Green Bay's run defense may be a little overrated. Mm -hmm. And I think with Henry out, I think we might see a few more touches, just a small handful more touches going to Murray, and, and that could be enough to, to really make him a solid, solid play this week. Uh, have you been impressed over the last couple of weeks with uh, Richard Matthews? Caught two touchdowns last week. Have you been uh, surprised by, you know, a lot of people were high on him coming over from Miami in the offseason. Uh, he was kind of quiet to start the year too, but he's had a, a couple of games now kind of back-to-back. Yeah, he's absolutely performed, and uh, I, there was a few writers at Rotoviz that were really high on him. 14-team uh, mocker in the offseason was talking him up way back in February. So I, definitely on my radar, but the, the, the number one wide receiver who try to identify it each week bounces around so terribly much yeah, on this large. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and so it's, it's really difficult to get a read on things, and, uh, and so it's hard for me to put faith in, 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 a, in the guy that last week was number one, is I guess what I'm saying. So, so moving into a game, and I, I talked about this guy earlier, uh, Melvin Gordon. I, I talked about him 
Um, and, you know, he, he's just, he's been playing phenomenally this year. When you think about it, where they lost Danny Woodhead, they lost Keenan Allen. Um, you know, Antonio Gates has been dealing with an injury. Uh, you know, Hen- Hunter Henry has been as well. Uh, and they might not have, um, I'm sorry, uh, Benjamin. Oh, God, they might not have Benjamins. Yeah, they might. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Uh, so they may not have Benjamin either. So it's been, plus all the offensive line injuries they've had. So it's been really something to see him do that well uh, when you consider everything else and how they're willing to stick with the run game, even if they are down a lot, which is something that is very refreshing to see. Um I'm curious to see what you think, especially going up against a Miami team that their offense has been doing a lot better lately, I would say, especially with uh, Ajayi uh, doing well. Uh, I had to make sure that Calm knew I could pronounce it right. Yeah. It's only take um, 10 weeks. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm curious to see what you think, how you know the Chargers match up against a depleted secondary for the, for the Dolphins and also how Melvin Gordon can do. And then on, on the flip side... Uh, is this another week where we see a Jaya? Is this really, in general, a week where we can see both running backs go off for 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 big games? Yeah, I think Miami is the number one defense you want to see on the schedule for your wide receiver right now. Um, they're giving up something like twenty one percent more points, uh, fantasy points above average. So that's that's a great great thing to see. Uh, Benjamin may be out, like you mentioned. So it's all Tyrell Williams. Um, you got Henry banged up, and I'm not sure what's going on with uh, Inman. He certainly sees his share of targets. It's just that they're so close to the line of scrimmage, typically, that you're not getting a ton of receiving yards because he's just not talented enough to put up the yak yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he only has 93 on the season, which is just awful. Um, and and so I think I think it, what you're going to end up seeing is they're going to they're going to target those two. Um, Williams, I think, will get the, the vast majority of the targets and the vast majority of the yards, and then Gordon will do his thing. On the flip side, um, you know, I'm a big fan of Ajayi, but only because he's getting 25 carries a game. And you mentioned Matt Jones at the top, and and I was one of those guys who was like I think he was going in the fifth or sixth round early in the in the off season. Um, and I felt like that was decent for a guy who might be getting 22 touches. Well, a guy getting 25 touches to me, because I really am kind of talent agnostic, I don't, I don't really know what makes a good running back in the NFL. You mentioned that you know two different guys with the same line, basically the same game script, put up wildly different numbers. I just chalk it up to randomness, to be perfectly honest. I don't know that being good at uh, making your reads and having good vision is more important, better than being super fast or agile or, and I don't know how to weight all those things correctly because I think they're so situation dependent, depends on the block, it depends on the defense. And so I love Ajayi as long as he's getting 25 touches. I think he's a Superman. Um, I mean, his numbers show it. Um, why they didn't put him out there and give him this load from the very beginning, I have no idea. I mean, they certainly didn't think he had the talent, but here we are. Uh, and last last week as well, there was uh, our kind of theme on the show was talking about offensive lines and Miami. Uh, I think it was week four they kind of got that offensive line back healthy and Tunsil was back in the lineup in his rookie season and I think uh, that's obviously helped a lot in, in the emergence of JJ and I think you know again uh, this week is a, a huge possibility for them. The Chargers have been uh, pretty good against the run, but we'll see how that goes. You know the Jets are pretty good against the run too, but he had a nice game last week and then of course the O line for um, the Chargers has been. Much 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 better this year because of the fact that last year they just literally couldn't keep anyone healthy this year they're losing all their skilled position players last year they were losing <laughs> offensive linemen they were just going down each and every week and uh, philip rivers has been playing outstanding so far this season next game i want to talk about chicago traveling to the bucks and the bucks we've seen last week against atlanta they pretty and against oakland they're pretty much a, a sieve that you call the the 49ers uh, earlier just everyone's just sailing through them there's pretty much no pass defense no pass rush no anything at the moment but this week I see this as uh, you know before the bye uh, Alshon Jeffrey picked up a touchdown against the the Minnesota Vikings I see him this week and he's somebody that I own in a lot of leagues I think this week he's one of the the must starts in my opinion I think he could have uh, you know one of those like Julio Jones like games that he had last Thursday night against the Bucks. Um, the interesting thing I want to get your take on though is on the Chicago running back situation how do you think that'll shake out this week and then the Bucks obviously um, 
you have Mike Evans has uh, got out of the concussion protocol. He is scheduled to start this week, so you like his matchup against the Bears. There's a chance Doug Martin comes back. It's a case of uh, staying tuned to those injury reports as we get closer to the weekend. And I think Jameis Winston has uh, a nice matchup here, as I mentioned, similar to Evans with that pass defense for the Bucks. But mainly the the Chicago uh, running back situation. You know, we've seen it against the the Vikings. Uh, It's playing out different every week, and it's really hard to pinpoint it. But do they have a a starter now for the foreseeable future? (laughs) For the the foreseeable next uh, three days, (laughs) four days? Yeah, I I am going to be hawking Roto-World and and see how this is going to shake out. I I honestly have no good read on it yet. I'd love to hear what you guys think about the, the running back situation. I mean... I can tell you Howard's gotten more targets, and uh, and really that's what I would look for in this situation because maybe if he's not seeing uh, the volume uh, that you want in terms of touches, he may get it in, in targets. But um, as far as the other side and running backs go, I think I'm pretty confident that Peyton Barber is the play. Um, there was a lot of talk last week about who to go with, uh, Smith or Barber, um, and I think it came out fairly evenly because at the very end of the game, when Smith was going to get the garbage time touches and, and all the rest, he, he got broke. He, he got broke. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, yeah, so I think Barber's, Barber's clearly the play. I don't think uh, they're going to rush Martin back, but that is really just an educated guess. I have no, I have no inside information on that, obviously. But yeah, yeah I, if you guys have a take on Howard, I mean, or whoever, I would love to hear. I'm just fitting both. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm just. I'm going to pretend I know, but not really do it. I'm not really. Whatever I say, I. I don't know. I can't. Like, I mentioned earlier about we were, we talked about the players that we wish we owned on any roster. I don't own any of the uh, Bears running backs on any roster, and I'm pretty happy with that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I. I mean, I like Howard. I, I think that he was. At some point, always going to be the guy. I mean, the the Bears, I don't think were 100 percent happy when they couldn't get C.J. Anderson and in, uh, in free agency, and and uh, you know they they went and got Howard, and he, he the problem is he's been so wishy washy, but then he goes off for this huge game against one of the best defenses in the league, and you know he's he's got two really good offensive guards, um, along with a pretty solid. He's got a pretty good interior offensive line with Kyle Long, Cody Whitehair, and um, Josh Sitton. So uh, I, I think that, you know, if the pass game can keep developing with Jeffrey, Miller, maybe Meredith, it's going to open up more things for him. So uh, if there was a guy, I think just based off of performance, I'd have to say it's Howard. But um, but moving into another game, which, you know, I, I think this is going to be a great game to see uh, this weekend, especially if, if Big Ben is healthy or is healthier than he was last week, is the Cowboys and the Steelers. I, where... and I just, I'm going to jump in here. Doug. I want to take some credit for last week. I did call on the show that Ben was a set of the week for me last week, so I'm going to take some credit for that. He did pick it up in garbage time, but as a play, he has historically been bad against Baltimore. Of course, of course, of course. Um, so so, so the, the storylines going into this, obviously, um, I, I would say on the, the Dallas side is Tony Romo is reportedly medically cleared. He was in full practice today, uh, but obviously he is not going to start at least this week. Um, I, I really wonder if this is a game-by-game game basis. I'm not saying that any of us are insiders to that point, but it, it's really interesting to see. I, I don't know if if maybe Josh can give us a little insight as to the, the Cowboys' offensive production with Dak in there as opposed to what we've seen in prior years from Romo um you know with Dez healthy now Jason Witten coming off of uh, a great game and then on the other side you know with Big Ben hopefully healthier um you know he's gotten full practices this week you know what does that do for for you know uh, Antonio Brown uh Sammy Coates uh, Eli Rogers and Ladarius Green my boy oh. Ladarius Green is reported to be back this week Oh, I'm so excited! Kobe I think everywhere. Oh, I'm so happy, Josh. Please, please tell me you're happy too. Oh. Yeah, no, I, Ladarius Green back uh, is going to be wonderful, but I think for a reason that maybe not a lot of fantasy guys are going to want to hear, and that's that I think he's key to replacing some of the types of runs that really spring big Stop. numbers. <laughs> that really spring big numbers. Um, for for Bell, I mean, uh, if you watched last year, um, they would take their tight end and they would pull him. And a lot of those, because of the patience of Bell, a lot of those plays went for great yardage and 
Um, and I, I think it means good things at first, at least for Bell. But yeah, I, I'm a huge green fan. I, I think his athleticism is totally underrated. He's a great hands. Um, and if he's used that way, if he's deployed that way. And I have no, no data that tells me either way, what they're going to do with him. Um, then I think he can completely be effective. Um, I'm concerned about Big Ben. I, I, who was a fade for me last week as well. And I even went so far as to fade Antonio Brown. He, uh, he did good though, didn't he? He had seven, seven receptions, eight something yards, yeah, and a touchdown. At, at one point, it was actually going to be his uh, lowest yards uh, for a game. I think since 2012, it was. Uh, you know, he wasn't getting much, but uh, garbage time they did put it up. Right, it was the second half, and and I heard some people speculating that maybe Big Bender got a a better shot. He got more medicine in the halftime, and that kind of. <laughs> fixed him up I, I don't know where the truth lies but uh if he if he looks like the second half obviously um antonio brown is going to be fine but uh yeah that was the one week to, to fade those guys i think that was the, that was the one and, and ab still put up numbers so um he's a stud yeah i agree with you there uh, i didn't mention when we were doing the bears i think as well this week uh, and i i know he doesn't really care about football uh, fantasy almost jay cutler uh, i think he's a good streamer <laughs> option this week he's, he's pretty much his, his interviews have been fun to watch recently actually and I'm not a, a big Cutler fan uh, moving on to a couple more games quickly before we wrap up the show then with the, we'll do a bit more of an extended view on the last games first up LA Rams at the New York Jets both these teams have been kind of vanilla on offense there hasn't been very much excitement the last two weeks we've seen uh, a nice bounce back from Matt Forte uh, might be more against as you mentioned the Miami run defense hasn't been good maybe more against the case of who he was playing against the week before that the Bears who have pretty much let everyone run through them this season on the other side then the running game has been very much uh, struggling for the for the, for the Rams with uh, Todd Gurley having a, a tough season he missed another practice today Thursday and uh, I think that he would need to get a at least a limited practice in on Friday to be confident of him suiting up against the Jets but it's just such a tough matchup um, you know the Jets secondary has been bad this season but the, the front seven has been generally very very good for them uh, you mentioned Kenny Britt earlier is he somebody you know against the secondary that you're interested in starting and obviously we still haven't seen any quarterback change there in LA but outside of maybe Britt uh, maybe Marshall uh, who's not uh, you know we'll see if Fitzpatrick lines up but anyone else that you're confident in is Britt somebody that you'd be starting this week? You know, I, I was looking at both these teams, and they match up almost exactly. The, yeah. They're fifth yeah, and sixth three, three against in their overtime. E- <laughs> well, yeah, right. No, but they're, they're really poor against wide receivers, and they're really good against the run. And so um, I, I, I want to say my pick for this game is going to be Brandon Marshall. He's also a huge buy-low guy using air yards and all the rest. Yeah. I think his last three games, he's put up an average in nine and a half points per game. He's a full He's underperforming his volume by a full 2.1 points. That's a lot. Um, I, you know, you, you could go ahead and chalk that up to someone, you know, to, to, to Fitzmagic just not performing and, 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 and whatever's been going on yeah. uh, behind the scenes at the team. But, but I still think with that kind of volume, he, he can put up a, a crooked number, especially against that, that secondary. Um, on the other end, you hear Fisher talking about how he needs to give more touches to Gurley. Um, it seems a strange kind of notion given how Ten poorly they <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got to run more, but, yeah. but I think they, uh, against yeah. this, this, this defense, I don't know that that's a great idea. I don't know how successful they're going to be. I think they need to put the ball up in here as well. And so, yeah, that would put Brian quick, a guy we mentioned at the top, uh, or, or, or Brit, uh, in the picture for uh, a flex option. Um, does early does play this weekend? Because yeah. hasn't he missed the last two days for practice? Yeah, if you were listening, Doug, at the start, uh, that's what I mentioned, that I would like to see him train tomorrow to, if you're <laughs> thinking about him playing this week. That's what I get for not listening. Yeah, <laughs> it's always good, at least the listeners. Hopefully they're still listening. Hello, listeners. Are you still there? <laughs> but uh, we have uh, Jeff Fisher as well, of course. Uh, you know, we, you mentioned him there. They are not going 7-9 and nine this year, if you remember back to hard knocks. <laughs> So uh, started off so good, but all starting to derail. There. He's the Matt Jones of coaches. Yeah, and of course they're they're not starting golf either until the playoffs are out of contention. So that might be next week. Um, then we have the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to the Panthers. Uh, the Panthers last week um, won that game. We talked about LA, but it was a tough game to watch. And the Rams uh, did struggle, or sorry, the Panthers did struggle running the ball. Jonathan Stewart, I think, finished with maybe I think it was fifteen carries for and around the forty-yard mark. So it was a tough. Tough game out for the, the Panthers. Uh, Greg Olson getting a touchdown last week. Kelvin Benjamin kept relatively quiet. But this is a game where it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, the Chiefs again. Uh, Houston is going to possibly activate it. I don't expect them to play this week. Um, but I think 
it's a tough matchup for the Panthers more so than the, the Chiefs. I think uh, Spencer Ware back from his concussion is an immediate restart. Uh, West really struggled last week, but you know, Kel, it's just I just want to get your thoughts on this one that I've, I'm finding very tough to decipher. Yeah, I think I think there's two good starts, and they're the ones you would think, uh, Greg Olson and, and and Benjamin. But I really like Benjamin. Um, again, he's getting lots of volume from Cam. Um, the the wide receiver or the the secondary um, is is actually putting up quite a few points against wide receivers. They're I think maybe a three percent uh, under expectation, so they're better than average, but they're not a world beater. They're not like Denver, Minnesota, good. So I don't think you really need to play the matchup too much. I think you look at uh, you play things pretty straight here, at least from the Carolina office uh, offensive side, and say you know either Olson or Benjamin or both are going to have a decent day uh, fantasy wise. Yeah, I agree with you there. And, you know, I talked uh, last week in the show about Olsen, the yards he was putting up and how, you know, there was a regression coming and that there, uh, kind of back to the mean. He was on pace to to absolutely smash his previous yardage best for the season, but he had been getting, you know, a lower amount of touchdowns and he's somebody I own in a lot of leagues and I expected that, you know, to pick up over the, the next couple of weeks and he did get a touchdown last week and there's a, an opportunity there for him this week again. I think, you know, Jonathan Stewart has proved uh, since he came back into the lineup, uh, I think it's three games ago now, that he is getting the workload. He is the, the bell cow there and, he, you know, he's somebody that you can start with confidence even though he was held in check last week and he has been getting those red zone carries as well which uh, has always in my opinion been you know the limiting factor on his value so I think he's a, a start this week as well even though it is a tough enough matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs uh, last one before I let Doug get back in on the action is Houston at Jacksonville you know we we've gone on about it in this show enough uh, you know Brock Osweiler in the situation there um, you know you also have DeAndre Hopkins it's hard to know what to do with him and if you, you know I just I don't like this Houston offense at all in any way. I'm not a Lamar Miller fan. Jacksonville has just been a mess, um, you know, over the last couple of weeks. Blake Bartles has been absolutely terrible. It's a game that'll definitely, I think, put up fantasy points, but it's one that's just, I don't know. I'm starting Alan Robinson again this week, but outside of that, is there anyone that you have confidence in? I see Jacksonville probably trying to get back into, they ran the ball quite a bit last week. They got Ivory involved. A lot had Yeldon involved in some, you know, short passes that he took. Uh, took one of them back to the house. Uh, just Jacksonville with the, the coordinator change is hard to, to really get a good firm grasp on. And then Houston coming off that by The one that I would be starting is CJ Fedorowicz. Uh, he's had a nice couple of weeks and uh, had a touchdown last time out again. Is there anyone that you're starting with extreme confidence and is there anyone that you're saying stay away from this week? I think I'm staying away from that backfield situation anyway in, in Jacksonville. Yeah, I, I'm starting with extreme confidence, A-Rob. Uh, for all the reasons we've talked about, he's he's one of my one of my favorite guys just because he gets so much of those uh, air yards and targets from Bortles. Bortles is is as you say, he's just just terrible. Yeah. Um, the other factor that might play into things is is Alan Hearns and his concussion. He didn't participate on Wednesday, but it looks like he had limited participation Thursday today. Yeah. So there is a chance he may come through the protocol and play that. I could end up being good or bad for, for a Rob. I, I don't know quite how I, I want to think about it just yet. Uh, without Hearns on the field, you know, obviously they can, uh, you know, have coverage go over to uh, a Rob more and, and maybe it makes it more difficult for him to have the game we expect from him. Um, but definitely, definitely he's the guy I'd be targeting there. Um, the other thing I would say about the Jacksonville defense is, strangely enough, they're exactly league average against wide receivers and running backs. They're the they're the demarcation line. So, any kind of analysis you want to do um, against uh, uh, an offense going against them, you can play it pretty straight because they're uh, exactly zero percent above average on on both counts. Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, a game that I actually I I, I, I want to see because this is. Even more of a, I would say, a polar opposite of a game than what we are used to would be the Broncos and the Saints this weekend. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at this matchup. It's a really high-powered offense for New Orleans going up against a extreme, uh, a very good, uh, you know, Denver defense. So I, I wanted to see what what you thought. You know, how does this affect guys? Not necessarily like Drew Brees. I, I think Drew Brees will be okay, but I don't expect him to to put up, you know, otherworldly numbers like we saw last week against um, San Francisco. But I, I'm curious what you see about, you know, the split between Hightower and Ingram 
uh, how you know someone like Michael Thomas can do after he's been really just blowing it up this year, considering the other wide receivers, uh, rookies, I should say, rookie wide receivers in this league uh, this year. And then on the flip side, is this sort of the week where you know even Simeon can be a guy who's fantasy relevant against uh, this type of defense? I think Simeon could be good. Um, you know, uh, I wouldn't fade Manny Sanders or DT because of Simeon in this matchup. I think he'll be effective enough to make those guys relevant. Uh, on the other side, it's a super good question. What what are they going to do with Ingram and Hightower? If you watch, I, again, I was at the game last week, so I got to see firsthand. Yeah. Ingram was Ingram was very lightly used. He had that one long run yeah. uh, just after the Niners scored. He they, they scored right back. Um, I don't know that he's actually worked his way back into anyone's favor. I mean, they do tape study after the game too, and 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 they're the first people to say what's fluky and what's not. Um, you know, Hightower got the majority of touches. He got the red zone touches. I don't think I would shy away from playing him in, in a flex spot if uh, if those things continue, even if uh, Ingram gets the start. So I, I would probably still kind of lean Hightower as as a decent flex move. Um, as far as Michael Thomas goes, I'm really high on him. The only danger is is it, it's kind of played out that it's either going to be a Cooks game or it's going to be a Michael Thomas game, yeah. right? And, and and so you kind of got to make that determination, and I'm, I'm not sure how you can do it reliably. Um, and so what I would come back to is, you know, which one's getting more volume, and they're both almost exactly e- equal at this point. Um, but, but Thomas is bigger. Uh, he's better around the red zone, I think. Um if a team is scared of the deep ball, that's the first thing they'll take away. So I think I think the play is probably Michael Thomas uh, in this game, um, even though they're going up against a, just a tremendous uh, Denver secondary. Yeah, and I think you're going to have to start DT and Emmanuel Sanders this week as well. You mentioned Michael Thomas, and he's somebody that I'm very high on as well in uh, the game at the weekend. I think, you know, when you mentioned Cooks, he he has such big highs and such kind of low lows. You know, he'll have that you know two touchdown for a hundred and fifty yard game, but then he'll have that forty yards. You know, four catches for forty yards game. So it's it's hard to uh, you know I think quantify. And Michael Thomas is a more steady player. And I know last week he had a huge game, but I don't think that's going to be you know the standard going forward. But I think Drew Brees. You mentioned trying to figure out whose game it's going to be. He just throws it to the open man and uh, depends from week to week, who, depending on the matchup, who that's going to be. And it is a tough one to decipher. Um, I'm looking ahead now to. Um, Minnesota and Washington and Minnesota you know Sam Bradford the offensive line it's been a bit of a, a mess obviously they had the, the change at the offensive coordinator position in the past week and didn't really work out for them they were, they were unlucky I have to say uh, the Lions showing great spread late on in that one to come back and win in overtime uh, and that field goal with I think it was 30 seconds left they, they traveled 40 yards to get that long field goal but then on the other side Washington we've already mentioned the running back situation this week Rob Kelly is the guy that I think you want to start there Deshaun Jackson looks like he's less than 50-50 I'd be surprised this week if he plays is that rotator cuff injury they had the bye week last week and he's still not 100% and then uh, just looking around the rest obviously they're starting Jordan Reed after that monster game uh, in London and looking around the rest of it you know Stefan Diggs last week had a monster amount of catches if it's a PPR league uh, there's no doubt about it. you're definitely starting him uh, Thielen you know if you're in a desperation situation I think it flex anyone else uh, Kyle Rudolph has tailed off the last couple of weeks is there anyone there you're confident, you know, the running back. Kind of like we mentioned earlier with Chicago, there's a, you know, Asiata. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, Ronnie Hellman it is that's actually there as well now at the moment. So he actually was getting quite a few snaps last week. And I'm a Jarrett McKinnon fan, but he, whether it's the yeah. defensive line, whether it's him, it's just, it hasn't really been working out for him uh, over the last kind of month or so. In this matchup, anyone that I, I mentioned or haven't mentioned that you want to highlight? Kyle Rudolph, I think. Uh, I've been high on him uh, all year in terms of tight ends just because he gets uh, just a lot of looks from right. from Bradford this year. And and he's actually projected to score more points per game for remainder season than Thielen, but they're right neck and neck. And and interestingly, they're both on my buy low list. So I, I, I think both of those guys are decent, um, but I think I would, I would trend toward Rudolph. I think he'll be open more uh, and he'll probably get more looks. Um, it, it, it's a... It's an interesting thing. You were talking about Bradford this year. I think he kind of followed the same arc as, as some other uh, younger quarterbacks uh, on, on new teams. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And and uh, and I think uh, I think he's become what we thought he was. And 
and I think uh, the, the there's a strong chance that uh, the Vikings are going to peter out at the end of the season, unfortunately. And um, my hope is that that doesn't mean bad things for Stefan Diggs, who was one of my favorites coming into the season. And, and uh, I want to see him now that he's healthy, put up some more of these huge games that he's capable of. <laughs> Yeah, and the, so, next, the next game up, and I'm actually, I'm buttoning ahead of Doug, this is his game, but I want to find out, Doug, you, um, with Dion Lewis coming back and you covering the Patriots, uh, do you expect him to, to return this week? There has been some possibility off that, and then, you know, with uh, Blunt, with White, I just want to get your thoughts on his rest of season outlook before you get into their matchup with the, the Seahawks. Uh, yeah, so the the team uh, released a running back today, they released Tyra Gaffney, uh, opening up a spot. Uh, every indication is that Deion Lewis will return this weekend. He will uh, be active uh, against the Seahawks on Sunday Night Football in his season debut, and it's it's um, it's a good sign. Uh, this was always the expected plan when his knee surgery was his second knee surgery was announced. So he he's been doing well in, in terms of his workload. Um, at least for this weekend, I, I don't see him getting more than six to eight touches. And he may only he may be on the low side of that. I don't see him getting double digit touches in his first game back from two pretty big knee surgeries. Um, so I don't think he necessarily is a fancy impact guy this weekend. Uh, but I think going forward, he's going to up his workload. And while I don't think James White is going to go back to being a healthy scratch like he was when when Lewis uh, Lewis was originally playing. I do think that Lewis is going to probably take over that role a little bit more um, from White while also getting probably some more looks in the run game. I, I think it's going to be a, a good breather for uh, LeGarrette Blunt, which the team has been trying to do, I think, with, with putting James White in the run game, which isn't really his forte. So I think that Deion Lewis could definitely have his regular rollback. I, I don't think it's necessarily this weekend or even maybe the weekend after, but um, maybe, maybe considering they're going up against San Francisco next weekend. But, um, you know, I, I wouldn't call fans irrelevant this weekend, at least. When is the go, no go for Deion Lewis to come off IR? Because I know at some point they have to designate him to return. And isn't that coming up here in the next couple of weeks? Right. So Deion Lewis returned to practice. Um, he returned to practice on the 28th of October. Um, so he would have until next week to return. Otherwise, he would go back on the IR or I'm sorry, the PUP for the rest of the season. Um, in terms of this weekend, I know that he has to be activated by 4 o'clock uh, from PUP if he has a chance of making the, the active roster. But in regards to the time spent, he has three weeks from when he started practicing, uh, which was on the 28th. So he would be able to actually stay on PUP for another week. But it doesn't look likely with them releasing a running back and opening up a roster spot. So I, I would say that he does return this weekend, but theoretically they could keep him out another week, but it doesn't look like. It. Gotcha. Um, so I, I want to get your take though into this game. I think the one guy that, you know, for the for the Seahawks, if there's if there's one guy you can really start, if there's a if there's a guy that you can really go after, and, and with probably a good amount of confidence, I would say it's Jimmy Graham. I think Jimmy Graham has really emerged. Um, it's hard to stay merged because of what he's done in the past, yeah. but really just come on and, and, and blown out expectations after suffering a gruesome and, and sometimes even career ending injury. Um, so I, I, for me, at least that's the one guy I would be comfortable, uh, comfortable in maybe Russell Wilson, but still he's been so inconsistent. He's not running the ball as much um, this season as he did last year. And that's probably because of his injuries and just how bad this offensive line has performed. Um, but I want to get your take on, you know, a guy like CJ Procise, where the running backs against the Patriots have actually been doing pretty well over the past few games. Uh, but also just wanted to see, you know, is this the week where Procise really breaks out? And then also on the Patriots side of the ball, uh, I want to get your take at least um, in regards to maybe the air yards a little bit. Maybe you can help me out a little bit. How does Julian Edelman's air yards look this season? Let me pull those up. So, my goodness. Julian Edelman's air yards is actually he's only getting 24 percent of the team's air yards. So it's, it's, it's not a ton, but he is still leading the team. Um, Hogan is next with uh, let's see here. Actually, I'm sorting the wrong. Actually, Hogan is matching with 25 percent of the air yards. So they're, they're spreading that thing around between those two guys um, uh, pretty evenly. And then Gronk's pulling up with 19 percent. And in terms of targets, when you weight that all together, though, 
Edelman's far ahead because of all the targets he gets. Um, so again, Edelman's game is going to be is really going to be determined by how well he, he generates yards after the catch, and and he's doing fairly well with that this year. He's got 168 yards after the catch um, on 442 air yards. So and, you know his air yards per target is day dot is seven. So that's it's just basically the kind of Edelman season you would expect with perhaps a little less volume than you would want, um, and that's kind of reflecting itself in his kind of anemic. Uh, receiving yards total of 358. Um, I think it's I think it's one of those games where, like you said, you you really are kind of going with the chalk and taking the, the two tight ends. And this one, uh, uh, obviously, uh, Baldwin on the other side is also a guy who likes to come on at the end of the season. At least if we're going to go by last year, um, you know. And and whether or not you're you're, you're completely convinced of um, Russell Wilson's health. I don't see him running that much for the rest of the season, and I think that's going to have a hugely adverse, uh, adversely negative impact on, on on their running game because they that they more than almost any other team really saw success when they had Russell Wilson in the back there, occupying an edge defender with the threat of a run, and uh, and and I think that's been a big reason maybe why C. Mike hasn't seen the success that we all hoped for him uh, in the Great Awakening and. Uh, and maybe maybe why he's gonna maybe why he's gonna lose his job when Rawls is finally healthy. It's, a, it's an interesting proposition. I just don't see any of those uh, running backs really having a great rest of the season if if uh, they don't have a running Russell Wilson. Yeah, I agree with you there because of the situation with the offensive line. We talked about that last week as well. And Rawls is uh, expected back in the next couple of weeks. And I've been saying for a few weeks that if you had Christian Michael, you probably uh, the time uh, is to sell because I think he is going to lose that job when Rawls comes back and. Uh, Wilson last week obviously there was a or Monday night there was a, a nice kind of a positive game from him uh, but it's it's hard to know it's another one you know the Bill Belichick will have this schemed up to obviously even if they want to let him out of the pocket uh, they're not going to give him that opportunity and it's just um, one that I'm going to wait and see obviously you're starting Brady and uh, Gronk and then as you mentioned with the other guys there the last game to head on now this week is Cincinnati at New York uh, at the Giants on uh, Monday night football rather uh, with Cincinnati obviously they're coming off the bye they had that tie uh, in London with the Washington Redskins uh, you're obviously starting AJ Green I think you start Andy Dalton in this one then Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy Hill there's been kind of the splits of whose game is it going to be and it's kind of a case of until the game's over it's very very hard to call that I'm a Giovanni Bernard guy I know there's a lot of Jeremy Hill uh, owners and fans out there so we'll just see how that breaks down but I'm, I know I'm starting Bernard uh, in this one and then on the other side you're starting Odell Beckham I think you probably roll out Eli Manning the the running back situation's really up in the air there and then uh, Victor Cruz is out this week with an ankle injury expected to miss one or two games I'm going to get your thoughts on that uh, and who outside of those guys maybe that you'd be starting uh, Sterling Shepard's had a little bit of a you know a tail off to his solid start to the year but maybe with Cruz out uh, he might have more opportunity in this one and the other thing I want to mention, just um, I, I glossed over it, I meant to mention it when we talked about the uh, Seahawks, is uh, Phil, uh, uh, Pete Carlson this week that he expects uh, to have CJ Procise actually a lot more involved uh, this week. And obviously uh, in PPR leagues, you might want to be starting him in case uh, the Patriots do get up to a lead and they're in comeback mode. But obviously that doesn't bear well again for uh, C-Mike and that one. Back to Monday Night Football, your thoughts on uh, the Cincinnati Bengals against the Giants. Yeah, I'm definitely on board with Sterling Shepard in this one. Um, and in fact, for the rest of the season, I think he, right. he's a, a really solid wide receiver, three, four guy. And uh, even as a rookie, I mean, just he's just seeing quite a bit of volume again. The air yards certainly show that. He's just, uh, you know, no one's going to even touch Odell Beckham in terms of being a focal point of that passing offense. But uh, he's really become the number two passing target in that offense and, and definitely someone to buy. In terms of Andy Dalton, I, the poor guy. I, I've been trading him in all my in all my leagues because the rest of this the rest of his schedule is so hard. Yeah, it's getting tough. Um, it just it's absolutely brutal, and, and he might be a guy that if, if you have a, a, an owner who's unaware of just how brutal that, that schedule is upcoming, he might be a guy to get rid of as well as Stafford. Stafford may, may even have a tougher schedule the rest of the season. Um, both those guys are, are just just tough defenses they're going up against, but he does have Eifert back. I think Eifert helps the rest of that team tremendously. Sorry, I forgot to mention him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, and no, but I, I think the fact that he's back is going to help all their offensive skill position players, yeah. and uh, and and I would agree with you that uh, that Giovanni Bernard is the play uh, between those two running backs. 
Uh, and Boyd as well, somebody who got a lot more work uh, in their last game. Do you see him as somebody who could have a se- second half of the season kind of more influence in this offense? Yeah, yeah, he's he's doing fine. Uh, uh, he's the third option in that in that offense. But the problem is he's really not seeing that too many more looks than Giovanni Bernard. Yeah. And um, you know, so yeah, he's fine. But do, do you really want to take a chance on a, 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 the third option in a passing offense um, when you can get you know Brandon LaFell? Who's do, been doing better? You know, he's uh, probably he's, for cheap. He's pretty much uh, kind of playing. We mentioned Edelman earlier. He's kind of playing a similar role to that. And you mentioned as well Dalton and uh, Matthew Stafford's uh, end of season schedule is going ahead. And I mentioned you know Giovanni Bernard games. I think that helps him and Theoretics another player that I was a, a huge kind of buy on in the off season as well. So hopefully if the stra- if the the schedules go to the way you're expecting to be tougher matchups, I think it, it helps both of those pass catch and running backs. But um, mm-hmm. with that, that's all the games run through. I hope I haven't missed out on any. But um, I want to thank Josh obviously for coming on the podcast. You can follow him on Twitter. It's at Frisco Josh. That is F R I S C O Josh. And uh, you can find out all his work there with uh, Air Yards and so on. Of course, a contributor as well to Rotoviz. Is there anything you want to give a quick plug to, uh, Josh, before we wrap up? No, I think you've got it. I really enjoyed it, Doug Colm. That was This was a, a great time. Thanks for having me on. And just before we finish, obviously a plug again for iTunes and Stitcher. Make sure uh, if it's your first time listening in, or even if it's not, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Give us a, a comment and a rating on there too. Helps more people find the show. It is very, very much appreciated. And I'll be giving away another Overtime Ireland t-shirt uh, over this coming weekend as well on Twitter. So make sure you're following me on Twitter. It's at Overtime Ireland. Doug's on Twitter at DMoreNFL. Uh, he'll definitely keep you up to date with all Patriots news. Uh, of course, fantasy football stuff as well. But very good coverage off to the New England Patriots. And uh, as well until the next show when we're back uh, next week maybe Wednesday Thursday make sure you stay tuned to the feed to find out when of course have a good one thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word this has been an Overtime Ireland production